0: Preaching is is a shepherding act um, f- for me. Uh, it, you're shepherding your people through the pulpit, through the word. And so that's a conversation which is not the totality. Preaching is central, but it's not the totality of how we shepherd. And so um, I think that you, you're looking for how people are engaging with the word as you're preaching. And then I'm, I'm looking for the conversations either immediately following or in the week following um just touching base with you know sort of touch points on some of those things with those people and yeah so it's um for me it's a pastoral exercise yeah
1: well hi and welcome to the expositors collective podcast episode 173 i'm your host mike neglia and the voice that you just heard is that of chris thomas Chris is one of the pastors of Raymond Terrace Community Church uh, in Australia. And in this conversation, we speak about depending too much on illustrations, uh, the way that God uses parenting to shape and deform form us, um, as well as kind of a, a non-traditional educational path. Um, He's very well-spoken, very thoughtful, and I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. Uh, But before the interview starts, uh, let me just say that this episode is uh, sponsored and brought to you by the CGN, the Calvary Global Network International Conference, which is taking place later on this month. Uh, Nick Cady one of our steering committee members of the Expositors Collective. He's going to be there in person uh, doing a workshop on Christ-centered expository preaching. So you're going to love that. And also, I am doing uh, an online session about gospel-centered life, particularly for when you fail. So that is coming up at the end of this month, and I'm going to let George
2: Scanlon invite you. The theme of the 2021 CGN International Conference is The Way of Jesus. This past year has presented challenges that transcend society and culture, but it didn't change the mission of God to rescue His alienated creation via the person and work of Jesus Christ. As we press into The Way of Jesus, we want to approach culture the way that Jesus did. Concepts like human dignity, justice, wisdom, and power are at the forefront of conversations in our culture like never before. are we understanding and engaging in this dialogue from a worldly definition of these ideas? Or do we operate according to the model, message, and method that Jesus gave us in the Gospels? Joining us this year as we dialogue about the way of Jesus are Gavin Ortland, author and missiologist Alan Hirsch, John Jenkins, pastor of First Baptist Church in Glenarden, Maryland, author and YouTube host Beckett Cook, missionary and Bible College director Pam Markey, and many more. Sessions will feature live dialogues and Q&As with the speakers, and our interactive, in-person and online specialized training tracks focus on various aspects of ministry leadership, including the posture of the church in an age of hate, the way of Jesus in a sexually broken culture, spiritual health for spiritual leadership, women in the way of Jesus, and more. The CGN International Conference will be online and in person at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa from June 28th through. July 1st. Registration is open to pastors, church leaders, lay leaders, volunteers, men, women, anyone called to serve Christ and His Kingdom. To register and for more information, visit our website at conference.calvarychapel.com. That's conference.calvarychapel.com. We hope to see you there. All right. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective
1: Podcast. I am honored to be speaking across the planet uh, with Chris Thomas. Hi, Chris. Good evening. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well and very honored to be with you, mate. Uh, so yeah, we. so I'm in Ireland and you're in Australia. I think we're, what's the word? Antipodal? Is that the, the term? Yeah, I'm, I'll run with that. That's fine. <laughs> I, I heard it once. And uh, <laughs> so you are, I think, the the third or fourth Australian, uh, on the show. And, uh, I like you guys, you Australians are, are really nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We think so too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, yeah, I'd love to just ask as the very first question, it's a great way to kind of get to know you and, and brings us into your story. Could you tell us about the time that you, you first like preached the Bible or what was your, your first sermon, Chris?
0: Um, I grew up in a Christian home and my dad's a preacher and um, small country areas uh, where everyone just has to sort of chip in. So I think I remember doing like little Bible talks, maybe for like Sunday school or youth group or something like that. But if I was to sort of try and go, all well, you know, what I would call preaching, um, when I was about 18, sort of 19, around that sort of age. Uh, This is sort of the mid-90s. I went away and did one of those sort of what they now call a gap year, but it was like a sort of a one-year discipleship type intensive at a little college right down in a very remote area on the west coast of Tasmania. And uh, we did a preaching class and we had to prepare a 20-minute sermon on a text of our choice and present it to the class um, which i did it was the first time i'd ever done that and um, got some good feedback from the class and then about three weeks later um, one of our lecturers at the college he said hey i've got some friends um, an hour down the coast their pastor is going to be away uh, they've asked for a recommendation i put your name forward could you preach?" your 20 minute sermon that you did in class at their, uh, church service on that Sunday morning. And so I went there, um, and I was, I was trying to remember it it was one Corinthians 12. Yes. Um, okay. and I don't remember the actual sort of verse range that I, I, did, but the, the concept was the, um, the gifts in the body, um, how we're all different parts. And I, I was uh, so chuffed. I just thought I'd just nailed it. Like it was just yeah. such a – it was the best sermon I'd ever preached. It was the only sermon I'd ever preached, so I wasn't wrong. Um, but I look back on it now, it was just terrible. Like it was – I spent 15 minutes building up this great big illustration of an orchestra with, um, you know, all the different band parts and the, and the different instruments, and I talked about – 15 minutes was just an illustration and then at the end of it I think I just sort of said hey we're we're just like an orchestra and uh, I think I read a couple of the texts and then I I closed out and that was it so that was my first I think um foray into preaching um yeah I think I would have just turned 19 and uh it was all it was all illustration man it was all illustration
1: (laughs) wow okay well yeah I'm kind of I'm kind of grimacing you know like good for you. I'm glad that you got to do it. Um, it's interesting. However, so like your, your prof or, or the, the, the lecturer, like put you forward and not only put you forward, but, but put that sermon forward and told you to, to yeah. do that one. So yeah. um, not to throw him under the bus or, or all your other classmates, but was that the best one available?
0: Um, I would have to, I would have to do some hard thinking about about what the other options were but it quite possibly could have been mm. Mm. um it's probably also to a certain degree a commentary on um small independent churches in country areas in Australia and and the depth of preaching that exists um okay so so what's there um and so if you're swimming in a small pond it's not hard to look like a big fish, you know. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think there's that sense where it, it was done with a, a great sense of, I think, um, just giving the young guy a go, you know, getting the yeah. out there. Um, and um, and, and I, I appreciate what they did because in one sense it was um, trial by fire and I look back on it and just go, well, that was a terrible sermon. Um, it wasn't that I, I think said anything heretically wrong. Um, it just wasn't sourced in the authority of the of the word. It yes. was good. It was good things. It was true things, um, but not not attached to the authority of God's word in any way. It was more attached to my cleverness of you know illustrative ability. So, um, so I think that's that was probably indicative of just maybe the sort of the milieu, the, the culture of the right. of the time as well. Just going, yeah give it your best shot, mate. And, um, and good, good on you for trying. So, <laughs> Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, there, there are a lot of things and I don't mean to be too, too critical. Um, no. but yeah, obviously, you know, you're, uh, you're invited on this show. Cause I think that you're like a great preacher who really like privileges the text to use that phrase that really brings the the Bible passage forward. And then to hear mm. at the first one, it almost sounds like the the verses from Corinthians were almost like a, uh, an afterthought or a sprinkling at the end
0: of your great point. Yeah, they were a prop. <laughs> they they were a prop to my story, right? So um, wow, wow. Yeah, and and I think that's to a certain degree. Um, and I don't want to be critical of even of of the you know the lecturers or the professors that were teaching because it was pretty early on in that gap year. So I'm I'm kind of just really, I guess, just I'm just starting to feel my way, and they were just cutting finding out where where the students were as well you know i i probably in hindsight I, I go oh man i wouldn't have i wouldn't have put me forward for that um but but it also was part of the way that by god's grace it began a trajectory of loving to ex to express the truth the timeless truth of the oracles of god yes who, who can who can bear that right Who who can carry that privilege of being the mouthpiece for the Word of God um, adequately and, and no one really and yet by God's sovereign design he uses flawed mouthpieces precisely because I think it is meant to uh, display something great about the, the message and not the messenger um, and so so it, it began this trajectory for me. That experience began this quest for me of going, I am, um, uh, this is a, a weighty and a glorious responsibility. And I'm both terrified by it and drawn to it. Um, how do I do this and give it justice? Right. So it became a stepping stone as a part of the trajectory to. To where the Lord's taken me um, over the last twenty something years now since that pa- that passed.
1: <laughs> wow, wow. Well, so I'd I'd love to ask, yeah, like more about those those steps or that that trajectory. So, like, what 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 happens? What happened next? <laughs> like, what did the Lord use next in in the preparation for you to to bring you to this point? Um,
0: lots of reps. Uh, I, I came home from that. Year at college, and one of the things that I learned uh, there's lots of different things, but one of the things that became apparent, um, I guess growing up in uh, with a dad who was a, a pastor preacher, um, multiple generations I can go back three, gen- two or three generations, and I've got father, grandfather, great grandfather who were all traveling evangelists or preachers or whatever. And um, growing up, I was quite reserved and quite shy. Um, I was like, that's not me. I don't think I'll ever be a, you know, a preacher. I'm not comfortable doing that type of thing. And and all of a sudden I had this awakening um, in that year that I, m- maybe this is something that God has for me. Uh, and I came back from that, that year and um, I don't know, just people would just ring up and say, hey, we got this youth event on, you know, I was this young guy and single and uh, can you come, travel to this place and, and, and talk about, you know, and preach and um, we've got this great story about an orchestra. (laughs) That's right. We've heard about this orchestra, man. Um, (laughs) And so I think, you know, um, preaching is one of those things that you just, you can read all the great preaching books, um, you know, all the classics, all the, there's a never ending supply of preaching books at your Christian bookstore, believe me. Um, And you can read all of them. um, But until you actually get, in front of the people with a bible in front of open in front of you um and you tell some terrible illustrations (laughs) um or have great feedback or uh, have people who will critique you know gently with you uh you just you just need the reps and so for me i was fortunate in the early days um to have the opportunity to be able to just preach a fair bit um and I was traveling a lot and preaching like at, at youth events and things like that, but not so much in my my own local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working like at a Christian campsite, and so I was doing, you know, youth studies and all that sort of stuff a fair bit. So um, that was both a, a good thing, but um, I would probably go back and look at some of those things and said, I, I think that also developed character flaws too young where I was I was probably given too much exposure too early and certainly developed a sense of, um, preaching pride, you know, in, in those early days that I look back on and just sort of, and some of that was just too, too much too soon, I think, but.
1: Okay. If, if I could, if I could jump in. So, you know, obviously this, you know, this, this podcast goes far and wide and people listen to it who are younger and older expositors collective kind of started in what like our, our in-person trainings, especially, we really want to aim towards young people and, and equip like the, the younger, the next generations to, to give the type of, um, yeah, practical guidance and mentorship, um, that, that, that they need. But if I can come back to what you said, you were like 19 and 20, you said you were like preaching too much or like highlighted or, or maybe cause, like character? Like what, do you have any kind of words of encouragement or warnings to like other 19-year-old preachers?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think I'd draw a hard line and give you a number to say that's too much preaching or that's not enough preaching. I think um, it probably plays a little bit into, you know, personal character, um, things that God's working on anyway. But um, I would say that, you don't have to say yes to every opportunity, um, particularly if you've got um, a natural oratory skill already. I think there are there are people. So here's the thing. I, I just view, view preaching and just go, there are non-believers that are not regenerated by the spirit who have the capability to speak well and communicate well, you know, at a TED talk or a, a whatever. Sure. So the ability to communicate clearly does not, Necessarily equate to being a great preacher, and I think one of the things that occurs, particularly in um, maybe church circles where there's an aged population, people get really excited when a young guy shows some, um, you know, some sort of semblance or some sort of, you know, it's like, man, this guy might be a great preacher one day. He might be the next Billy Graham, you know. And so it doesn't take very long, and that can start to embed in your own heart where you start thinking, you, yeah, you're right. I, I'm the next Matt Chandler. I'm the next, you know, whoever, you, whoever your heroes are. Um, and I would just say that it's probably really necessary to, to get some reps, do some preaching, but do it in a safe place. I, I, I'd be careful about trying to go outside of your own, um, your own family for a little while. Um, have some people who know you well enough and and can see your other character flaws well enough um, to be able to have that speaking into your life um, sort of relationship. Otherwise, if you're just a guest, um, yeah, you know, if you're a guest preacher, I've not been a guest preacher in many people's places where I've come and had someone sit me down and you know and critique me and talk. They, they generally are saying that's fantastic. You were yeah. such a blessing to us. And if, you, if that's all you're hearing, um, you're not going to hear the necessary ways of improvement and things that you're not doing that you need to grow in. So, um, so, I would say, yeah, do the reps, but try and do them close to home. Wow. Well, Chris, that was not on the, the list of questions I sent you in advance. That was just pure
1: on-the-spot wisdom. Thank you very <laughs> much. <laughs> um okay well thank you yeah so your first sermon 19 lots of sermons since then um and i guess kind of a a quick question or you could answer as long or short as you want but like like how is your preaching now different than then i think there's an obvious answer of it's a whole lot more bible and a lot less uh orchestra stories but but what's (laughs) come what do you think are like the primary focuses that are present in in your preaching now that have developed over time
0: uh, sure. Um, I think, I hope, I hope at least that I'm less driven by trying to be impressive. Um, I think when I was a younger preacher, one of my desires was to try and prove myself. Um, partly, um, and maybe we'll talk about this at some stage down, down the track, but partly because I didn't have formal theological education. Um. And partly because I had a, a, I still have a fairly well-known father, um, and so I'd go places, and they would say, "Oh, you're um, you're so and so's son, right?" And um, and so there was this little bit of um, living in the shadow type thing that was happening for me as a young guy, and and I think I was always trying to prove myself as a preacher. Yeah, you know, I was always trying to impress people. Um, I think as I've grown older, that mindset I hope has changed, where I no longer. F- Feel the need. In fact, to to seek to be impressive in any way, is actually counterintuitive to the to the task of preaching the word of God. Right. So, um, not to say that we don't want to be, um, you know, careful with our craft and how we in how we preach, but but not driven by the motivation of being impressive. Um, and I think partly that flows into the fact that I over time preach you, you preach with a voice. I often hear people talk about, oh, you've got to find your own voice, you know, and I'm yet to find anyone who can adequately um, define that. It, it's a really ambiguous sort of, um, you, you've talked to a lot of preachers, so maybe maybe you can point me in the right direction as someone who's got a great definition of that. But We have a few
1: episodes about it. Actually, they'll be in the show notes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I would sort of go, hey, you know, there's a, there's a sort of uh, combination between our personality and our character and our experience and then your sort of contextual location which which eventually contributes to your voice um, I think I've just become more comfortable with with my voice as I've got older okay. um, and and preach that that changes your preaching um, and then probably the third way that I think that I've grown over those years is my ability to balance the two tensions in preaching which are for me um both the the content of your preaching. So you know, I'm I have a far greater commitment to it is the word of God which transforms people's lives, both through the the message and the power of the gospel for salvation and the sanctifying work of the word and the truth as it you know lands in people's lives. So I go if if we're not if we're getting up and preaching and we're not giving Bible, then you yeah, I'm not sure we can adequately call ourselves preacher. We can call ourselves an ent- entertainer or a orator or any other number of things, but maybe not a preacher. Um, so, a personal commitment to sort of go, hey, ex-, you know, expository preaching, or what I would define as thematic expository work. So, if it's something which is topical, is sort of saying, okay, we're going to look at this issue or this topic, but we're going to do that within the context of you know the Word of God without right. proof texting all over the place. Uh, so, but, but balancing that context, uh, the content, and then the context of preaching because I think in the past I had this sense that preaching was an event that I did. Okay. Um, you, you preach, and I preached into a vacuum. You know, it's a bit like uh, this day and age, it's podcast preaching, right? You, you're not preaching to any person in particular. You're just preaching content. It can be all good and good material, and it can be Bible but I think that preaching was always designed by God to be a shepherd in front of his flock, bringing the word of God to the people of God. Both of those things exist. Um, and so I'm growing as I get older in understanding the balance of going, I you know, yeah, I don't mind preaching at events, or um, you might listen to a, a recorded sermon um, of mine, and it may impact you into where you are, but... But when I was preaching that sermon, I did not have you in mind yeah um, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't aware of what's going on in your life um, you can't you can't come to me afterwards unless you send me an email and say, "Hey uh, Chris, you know you, you were talking about this, I'm struggling with that, how do those two whereas that that happens on a weekly basis amongst the flock that I'm responsible for so I'm preaching into that context and I've got to hold those things in balance for me but Wow. I was completely unaware of that as a young preacher.
1: Well, and, and how could you have been, especially if so much of your early preaching reps took place as the visiting speaker at this event or, or the guest here and there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what's going to get the amens. You, you know what's going to hmm. um, get people sort of going, oh man, that was such a good word. You know, wow. there, there are just certain key phrases and there are certain topics and there are certain, you know, you, you know how to, you, you can work a crowd. Right, but that's not preaching.
1: Yeah, um, and, and that you could say that nearly will work anywhere. That that's a guaranteed yeah. silver bullet anywhere. Yeah. And that is so yeah. different than I care for these people and I have prepared this and I know that we as a community have experienced this and and so yeah. I'm speaking God's word into this circumstance. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I've I've yeah been been listening to to your sermons for the past like you know week or so, and uh, you know like you say general things about Australia, you know, which is different than for me in Ireland or for those that listen in in the UK or South America or the US, you know, like there's things you know that are that are Australia specific, but yeah, there also are things that are like Raymond Terrace Community Church specific, and yeah. and that's what they need, not just the general Australia, but like our church, our time right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's part of the um, the wonder of the Word of God—a a timeless Word, um, a timeless God. You know, so even let's say we're preaching through Philippians at the moment, and you know, Paul's writing a letter to the to the Philippian church. It's centuries and centuries ago. You know, we um, in a, in a completely different culture, in a completely different time, facing completely different, and yet. It translates, and and there are touch points in our context, in our town, you know, just a small town. Uh, but I know the people. I, I know the people that are in our church and their um, what their struggles and their disappointments and their joys are, and I'm continually going, how does God's word um, land? How, how do these people live out faith? How do they live out the kingdom um, grounded in the authority of God's word? Um, They've got to know that right so there's just general stuff that's always going to be true anywhere, um, but then it has to be uh, contextualized to a certain degree. I think you could push that probably too far but um but but it definitely has to to land somewhere and I'm responsible for it landing amongst the the flock that I'm responsible for, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the worldwide church has
1: experienced a great challenge of that uh, in 2020 and into 2021. Um, You know, you, you mentioned just preaching into the abyss, you know, that's for some of us, that's not a metaphor. For some of us, we've been standing in front of webcams preaching to nobody. Um, And there's been the added challenge of trying to gather what we what we know about the people and and communicate that so that's that's a real challenge and as churches are beginning to come out of lockdown or you know a a few still are uh, my church is meeting for the first time this sunday yeah so we're having our first in-person christ god yeah yeah Yeah. well we meet in a school and also ireland has very restrictive like the most restrictive so so we're slowly coming out of that but i know that you know our brothers in Texas have, <laughs> this is long behind. And Australia, you guys have been meeting in person for quite a while too, am
0: I right? Yeah, so we we shut down and didn't meet in person from March of 2020 uh, through to the end of November.
1: Oh, really? really? Of okay. 2020,
0: we didn't meet in person and we had quite harsh and strict lockdown laws. Um, and then it was sort of slowly... Yeah, uh, we we couldn't meet at our full capacity, and there were lots of other restrictions while we while we met. But uh, as soon as sort of we were able to, we were we were like, hey, this is important. Let's meet. Um, and I, I preached in front of a you know I was pre-recording sermons all through that period of time, and then we would just play them. So I'd record Thursday, um, and then we would sort of insert it into our live stream on the Sunday. So part of our service was done live, and there were pre-recorded parts. Um, it was a very I'm not an overly emotional person, but it was a very emotional and special thing to sort of stand in front of the church on that first Sunday back and look them in the eyes and, right, and right. continue to deliver you know God's word in a way that would um, hopefully encourage and bless and challenge. But, um, but it was special. Yeah, it was a special thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I, there are like, dozens and thousands of podcasts about like coronavirus stuff and I don't want to like overly focus no, no, no. on that. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah. maybe like, so you know, now that you are in person again and, and many of those listening are in like, how can we take advantage of that? Like what are the what is the kind of like that in person moment? Uh what are ways, I guess, where we could lose that or skip it or not treat it as important now that we have it. It was taken from us for a while. Now we have it again. How can we take advantage of it the most?
0: I mean, it's probably a bigger conversation than just preaching. Um, I yeah, think specifically yeah, right. how it relates to preaching itself um, is what happens around preaching, like in the sense of the act of preaching, you can stand in front of a webcam and you can do it, right? Even if you've got a good imagination and you can imagine your people standing on the other side of the camera, um, you know, you can you can do that. Um, it's the it's the times I think in the rest of the service. It's the times before and after services. As as a preacher, um, you're shepherding the flock from the pulpit. Um, it, it's not just that a, a it's not an isolated event in the service. It's not like you do your service plan and you say we're going to sing six songs and we're going to do this announcement and then we just have to do this preaching. Um, like pre- preaching is is a shepherding act. Um, for me, uh, it, you're shepherding your people through the pulpit, through the word, and so that's a conversation which is not the totality. Preaching is central, but it's not the totality of how we shepherd. And so um, I think that you, you're looking for how people are engaging with the word as you're preaching, and then I'm I'm looking for the conversations either immediately following or in the week following, um, just touching base with you know sort of touch points on some of those things with those people and yeah so it's um for me it's a pastoral exercise absolutely yeah yeah
1: well, thanks for again. Now, now here's a hard pivot, okay? I can't think of a good transition from this to the next. Why don't you talk to us about your educational background?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, this will be at, a really short conversation.
1: <laughs> so at 19, sounds like a, you're on a great track. On 19, you went to this like training training school. That's great. What what happened next? Where did you go next?
0: Um, yeah look I, I preached um, I was I think I mentioned I was working with um, like a Christian camping type parachurch organization. Um, I then started getting involved in doing taking uh, cross-cultural short-term mission trips to various places around the world. Um, I grew up in in Australia but I grew up in far north like you know the outback or that, that real um, stereotypical outback a small Indigenous community where I was, you know, white but a minority. Um, And so I had this sort of extensive cross-cultural experience in my formative years, and it gave me a love for cross-cultural mission. Uh, So I got involved in doing all this stuff, and then, um, you know, I got married and um, met this beautiful woman. We married. We started having children. And um, in around that sort of early 20s, mid-20s, um I had a pivot away from seeing the church as just being a sending agency that really all the other parachurch organizations did the real work of mission and ministry, you know, and um, that's kind of what my mindset had been for some reason. And God was gracious in just birthing a love for his church. Um, by this stage, I had um, my first child was born. We were, my wife was pregnant with her second child. And we were living in really remote areas within Australia. Um, and particularly in that era, um, if there were many remote theological, like distance education type models that existed in that period of time, I mean, I didn't even have the internet um, in that era. I, it, access to to um, theological education just felt out of reach for me. Um I was still struggling with personal identity issues. I struggled academically through high school um, and had sort of developed this sense of going, you know, I can't study at a high level. Um, And I was getting all this experience preaching um, and people saying, hey, could you come and, you know, preach here and preach there and then, yeah, you know, a local church um, needed a small local church needed someone to to pastor and shepherd as an associate there with them, and I and I went and I was really young, mm-hmm. and um it was hard, and I made a lot of mistakes, um but it got to the point where I was I was doing the work of ministry, and uh, I, I I mean I was studying I I did um. Three years external study, and I was trying to study and learn what I could. Yeah, but none of it was credited. Not, none of it was. Okay. You know, um, I, I got no paperwork to say, "Hey, Chris, you, you've achieved this level of education." Um, and so it was a scramble for me to say, I, "I'm taking this seriously." The, the preaching of God's word is is so important, but I felt like I didn't have access to the what I would like to have, you know, studied and done, and so I just had to go. Well, what can I get? Um, and so I started just voraciously reading what I could find. And uh, as the internet became more and more prevalent, I was doing, you know, online little just short courses where I could and, and trying to gain helps and accesses. And um, mostly because I just felt like I was so far behind the eight ball with, <laughs> with so many things. But, um, yeah, it was a journey. It has has been a journey, yeah.
1: And w- what's um – yeah. So would you say to somebody who has an opportunity for formal uh, accredited university or a seminary to to go for it? Or are you kind of the poster child for the, the non-traditional means of preparation? <laughs>
0: um, I'm probably a blend between the two. My first response to anyone who is saying, hey, I'm thinking that I that God may be preparing me to... Shepherd in his church to yeah. to lead his people, then then I would say you need to take seriously your responsibility to um, come under the word of God. Okay, I think the prime primarily the first track that you should be looking for that is in formal theological education. Um, I I guess I'm I'm also though happy to say that um, that's a fairly privileged. Western mm. um, capacity to be able to do it and that there is a massive part of the developing world where there are godly men Absolutely. leading yeah. churches um, and doing amazing work that we will never hear about that we will we won't hear on a podcast that we won't you know but but I'm I'm convinced they they will be the poster child of heaven like they'll be the ones that are held up um, you know by the by the great shepherd one day and say, hey, you never heard about these people, but but look at what they've done. And, and they didn't have access to the education that we do. I'm grateful for the access that we can get now online. Like, you know, you can sign up to, um, you know, a bunch of even theological, like seminary level classes and do them as audit or, um, yeah, and helps that are available now, if you have access to internet, if you have access to those things. So it's possible for it to happen. Yeah, but if you have it available to you, why wouldn't you like just go for it? Particularly when you're young, yeah, it gets harder as you get older.
1: Yeah, yes, it does. (laughs) Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 38. I've been pastoring for about 15 or 16 years, and I am working on my master's uh, recently. Yeah,
0: (laughs) man, you go for it, brother.
1: I did a yeah like a two year associate's degree when I was young, which is yeah unaccredited, but you know it's it's a lot of Bible education. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing late in life, not late in life, middle of life. Here's open touch yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a great thing to be doing. Part of me, part of me thinks like, oh, why didn't I do this when I was earlier? Sorry, when I was, when I was younger and had less responsibilities, but then also yeah. part of me, and I've said this to other, like, you know, older students, they say, yeah, we wouldn't have appreciated it when we were 19. <laughs> so Part of it is like you need to struggle along in ministry, and or have you know a dozen a dozen plus year of ministry experience to say, yeah. oh, I
0: actually really need to know this stuff. But then, yeah, well, I'm I'm a huge fan of of church based internships um, that have a blend of really deliberate ministry experience and coaching, yeah, and partnered with um, good theological training and input with cohorts you know, that might be doing intensive or something like that. I think those types of blends, particularly in the world that we're moving into now, I think you know the the full-time student that can just go away to seminary and get the big debt at the end of yeah, it, yeah, um, yeah. it's it certainly happened. There's some really successful seminaries that are doing it, but I think that we're seeing the need to have a, a wider, more flexible learning models that are out there, but and that's maybe another subject matter. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's an, yeah. 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 So, so that's one kind of non-traditional educational thing. Um, maybe how has like parenting and, and family life also been like used by the Lord to, to form you and, and shape you into the shepherd that you are today?
0: Oh, man. No, nothing like children to expose your selfishness. Um, so we have five children and my wife and I um, foster care. Um, and have been doing so for a bit over a decade now. Um, and in the it's different in different parts of the world, but in the Australian system, and not that we particularly set out to do this, but the way that it happened was that um, the very first child that we ever took into our care, um, we didn't know it, nobody knew it, but he was um, quite profoundly intellectually um, handicapped. And it didn't show up really until a little bit later in his development, and um, so he's 12 now, but developmentally probably half his chronological age, and and lots of other health problems because of that. Um, but that sort of brought us into the world of um, parenting and special needs parenting in particular, um, which which adds, you know, certainly a complexity to life and ministry. Um, but one of the things that has done is that. I think that slowed. It slowed life down, and it became very deliberate. Um, that the pace of life, because of as we care for the needs of our family and as our children, we've had to become very deliberate about what it is that we engage with and what and what we can't. Or, or if we if we can, we have to sometimes modify how we do things, and that just bleeds over into all. It, it, like we just can't compartmentalize life. Um, to going well, this is just my private family life, and that has no effect on ministry. It just does. Um, if you're a young guy and you're you know you're listening to this, and the way that your family, you just can't sort of shelve your family and say that's my family thing, and now I'm going to go hard on ministry. Like, um, it's just the the way that God has designed us is it just doesn't compartmentalize that easily. So, you know, certainly the way that I've learnt to um, to realise that life isn't as black and white as I thought it was. It um, okay. doesn't mean that we compromise on the truth of God's word, but it just means that there's um, an awareness that we need to listen and be careful of how we um, bring God's word to bear into people's lives, um, to, to realise that people just have different capacities with where they're at. And and we don't have to ask everyone to perform, certainly spir- even spiritually, at a certain level to become the, you know, this this is what the the good Christian looks like um, because I'm thinking through, well, what does it mean for my 12-year-old son when he's 20 to be a a young man of honour, a young man who handles the word of God to the capacity that he can to to live out his faith in a way that's authentically who he is and what he's able to do? What does that mean for him to be able to do that? Um, And... That's the same for all of us, right? I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, what, what your intellectual capacity is or what your emotional capacity is, somehow all of us need to work through um, what does it mean for God's word to shape who we are to live in this world um, as a representative of our king. And And my job as a preacher is to try and bring that to bear for them and help them in that process. So, um that has shaped dramatically my approach probably to to preaching and, and pastoral preaching in that sense. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Man. Well, thanks for, yeah. For, for bringing us in to that.
0: No, that's, Um, that's, that's good.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I have a 15 year old son with uh, with special needs as well, which I think is maybe one of the reasons why I've been kind of like drawn towards you um, on your, on your Twitter feed. You mention it every once in a while, but, but not, you know, and, and you know, the, the same thing where there's some things where it's like, there's these quite personal moments that, that take place or there's, there's the grace of God shows up in surprising ways. And sometimes it's, it's worth sharing. It encourages people like me or others, you know, but at the same time too, you don't, I I don't want to like commodify everything or, and, and and even some of those moments of grace sometimes, and I want to be careful how I put it this way. Like there's sometimes, they're, they're almost like at his expense or it's like, it's during, it's while he's kind of at his lowest, I think yeah. when, when, yeah. um, I see those moments of grace and then I don't want to turn that into a sermon illustration. Um, yeah. because it'll, you know, going back, it's, it's a silver bullet. It's a crowd pleaser. It'll get them. But it's like, well, yeah, but it's also, also, it's also my son. It's, it's, um, it's his life. And whether he, um, comprehends or grasps that I'm talking about him or not, like I still don't want to talk no. about him without his consent, you know? No
0: now i think whether it's in writing or in preaching like our kids aren't clickbait right they they just they they don't exist to fill my illustration tank yeah um and yet how god works through our families whether the kids have got challenges or not um is often the way that god is shaping in us our yeah. understanding of our own sin or his holiness yeah. or his faithfulness and 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 we're measuring that against god's word and that that will flavor, I think it flavors our preaching without having to be the, the, the spotlight doesn't have to be on it, right? But mm-hmm. but undoubtedly, yeah. I would say that it's flavored all of my preaching and writing. Um, but it doesn't need to always have a spotlight shine shine on it and, uh, and drawn attention to it. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that you and I and others in our circumstance, um, hopefully, yeah, we're, we're being shaped behind the scenes in that yeah. to hopefully be more compassionate um, to recognize simultaneously, like God has a, a radical call on people's lives and and demands the whole of our lives. And then also realizing like, well, like what, what, what your whole life looks like. Uh, it's, it's different yeah. for different people. You know, a, a complete offering of the entirety of yourself is a different, the, they're different sized buckets as it were.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <sighs>
1: Well, you know, I had some other questions about like, you know, your sermon prep weekly rhythm, but like that seems almost a little bit, a little bit trite (laughs) at the the end of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Chris, that you you want to talk about or or, or building from there? Uh, we've kind of spanned the gamut, haven't we? From like the the, the eager, the 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 nineteen year old <laughs> zealous travel anywhere, yeah. do anything, uh, to to now yeah. kind of you know ending on on somewhat of a somber note. But is there is there something that you think like should be included
0: uh, before we wrap this up? Um, yeah. Look, for me, one of the things that has shaped my understanding of preaching so much is. Um, you know Peter's exhortation to the church about just in general about your giftedness. You know, so if you're, you know, uh, if you give then give generously, right? If you uh, if you help then help help liberally, type of thing. And 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 that phrase that he uses, he says, if you're called to preach, you know, preach as though you are preaching the very oracles of God. Has has really captured my imagination over the years to go. There is a there, there is just a um you know, a great joy to preaching. Um, you know, people often sort of say to me, "Man, you know, it must be so hard." And I just you know, they're talking about the act of preaching, and I just go, hey, "Look, I love preaching. Like, I, I can't wait to step into the pulpit. Like, the preparation that goes on for me goes. Uh, it, it's about a two-week time frame. My prep process for any given sermon, um, and um, by the time that that sort of percolated, and I've worked through it, and I've structured, and I've um, I you know I manuscript mostly um, these days, and so you know by the time that I've worked a manuscript together and I've gone over that, and like I'm ready to birth it, right? It's you're just stepping into it, and you're like, I, I want to get this out now, and so I love it. But but we're handling like timeless oracles of God, um, and so there's a joy in it and an eagerness that i that i find to preach that's always been there for me like right from very young right through now i love to preach um but i think that the older i get the weightiness of that sense of what it is that we're handling like yeah. you know, like when when god speaks earth and planets spring into existence right and and we're taking these words which belong to god and and we're uttering them james is saying to us hey not many of you should be preachers because you, you, there's a weighty, there's a weightiness to that in the sense of the the responsibility that we will have to give to that. Um, so I I just find this, you know, if, if we want to finish on a challenge in one sense, I just go as a younger preacher, I think you know, be just be pleading with the Lord, give me a sense of the um, the joy, but also the responsibility that comes with being tasked with carrying the oracles of God to the people. Um, um, yeah, and so I think there's that grandness to it, and yet on the other hand, there's this really accessible thing. Like, you know, there's the uh, is it ne- Nehemiah at the end of Ezra? Nehemiah gets up before the people and reads the word of God, and says the elders stood in the mix and, and gave them the sense of it. Yeah, and I yeah. just think if, if you could boil down the task of preaching for me, it, it's if you, you're reading the word of God. And you just giving the sense of it to the people. There's a real simplicity to that. Um, and yet there's a depth and a gravity to it, which you just go, uh, who, who, who can carry that, right? But, right. but yet by God's grace, he's, he's just said, hey, listen, I want you to, I want you to preach. Um, and if you're going to preach, then preach like you're preaching the oracles of God. This is no right. light thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a great joy for me and I, I've loved the journey so far and by God's grace, if he gives me more time to do it, then, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll preach till I, I'll preach till I drop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Someone
1: said that, yeah, they want to, they want to preach their own funeral, climb into their, (laughs) climb into the casket and then die.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: That'd be it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, would you, mind, would you mind praying for us? Is that is that okay?
0: <laughs> would you pray for the, the, the preachers? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Um, Lord, we come to you because um, we acknowledge that your words bring life. And so while our reflections today, um, we, we pray they're helpful. We, we pray that hmm. people might be encouraged and challenged by them. And yet, Lord, if all else failed and our words um, fell away Lord may it be that your words remain Yeah. Um, remain on the, the hearts and lips of those that are tasked with this great responsibility to preach um, Lord give us a love for your word that goes beyond just um, enjoying the academic technicality of it um, uh, help it to infuse in our life so that we might carry it to our people well and shepherd them well through your word um Lord, you speak to us through your word, and may that never be something that um, becomes trivial to us um, or that we rush past in order just to, to get another sermon um, ready. Mm. Um, Lord, I'm grateful for this great responsibility of preaching, but we are more grateful that you are a God who speaks and you have spoken to us. You've revealed yourself to us. You've revealed our own hearts Um, that we wouldn't know about ourselves unless you told us um, and you bring the gospel to us through it. And so, Lord, we we are grateful, thankful for the time that we've had together, in Jesus' name.
1: Well, amen, amen. Uh, Thank you so much, Chris. And I hope that you enjoyed uh, listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed being a part of it, Uh, really talking about some kind of heart issues and looking at the motives of why we do what we do. So thanks again, Chris. Well, this uh, next episode for Next Tuesday kind of is a really good fit. Uh, It's Wesley Town, and we speak about uh, the mental health of the preacher. Uh, There's part of the conversation where we speak about how to address mental health and suffering from the pulpit. But the clip that I'm going to play for you now is part of the other half of the conversation where we speak about the mental health and inner life of the preachers themselves. So I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. I'm going to leave you with a teaser clip for next Tuesday's episode featuring Wesley Town. God bless.
3: I think we cannot just spend our life becoming aware of the text as a preacher. Mm-hmm. We also have to become aware of ourselves and our own inner complexities. I think it's so important, you know, that we're we're trained to like study the Bible and teach the Bible. But part of studying and teaching the Bible is we're coming out in that. Like, yeah. you know, it's a person who's teaching And so all that is in me and all that is going on in my life really, you know, comes out uh, through the teaching of Scripture. And so I think we really have to, like, identify some of the challenges that we face in our inner life. Uh, One being, you know, discovering our own identity, you know, and being confident in that rather than trying to be someone else, trying to compare never feeling good enough, but really being confident in how God has wired and created us. Uh, Identity is a huge facet, you know, of being mentally and emotionally healthy. Um, I also think just self-awareness, like, Mm -hmm. hey, we, we don't have it all together. You know, there's weaknesses. There's things that we need to grow in. Um, There are areas that we need to steward and cultivate. Uh, Another thing that I would say for just a pastor teacher, and you know being aware is our motives, like what are our motives um to be mentally and emotionally healthy, I think we have to have really core values that drive what we do, yeah and if our motives are to gain influence or to have big crowds or to impress people, we're really missing out, and it's going to it's going to do damage on people, but it's also going to you know do damage. Have consequences for our own soul um, yeah. in in being a pastor teacher, and then I, I'd say finally, like we have to spend time stewarding our own well being, um, and I think that means our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health, and our spiritual health, because we want to do this for the long haul. And so I've experienced burnout, and <clears throat> I, you know, I, I remember. About 2010, 11, 12, those three years were really hard years. If you looked from the outside, everybody would be like, wow, success. You know, yeah. thousands of people, you're reaching so many people, people are getting saved, baptized, you know, you're teaching to pack crowds. But behind the scenes, there was a lot that I didn't know, which led to some of my, you know, well-being challenges. I was struggling uh, with anxiety. I was struggling with stress. I was exhausted on a continuous basis. And it was just this cycle that I couldn't figure out how to get out of. And part of the reason that I ended up there was because I was never trained. I was Mm -hmm. never trained Mm -hmm. to think about my own well-being so that I could do this in a healthy way. And, And I think one of the things that I had to learn was that my input had to be equal to my output um so you know i'm a driven person i'm a three on the enneagram i don't know if you guys like that
1: but i'm an achiever we're so. strongly opposed no just kidding no, yeah. it's it's come up it's come up before it's come up before so i was just given out i was teaching
3: way too much sure um I was teaching on Wednesday nights a book. I was teaching on Friday nights to our college students. I was teaching Thursday a school of Bible. And people were just showing up to all this. So I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. And then I was teaching yeah. Sunday, uh four four times a Sunday. And that's that's not healthy. Like, I wasn't filling up in an equal proportion to what I was giving out. Hmm. And so I had to learn along the way that It's really important as a Bible teacher, not just to teach and study, but also to be healthy Uh, because we are humans. We're not robots. And I think eventually along the line, like in my own story, I thought my core motive being a preacher or a pastor is to be a healthy and flourishing disciple of Jesus. So for me, that, that needed to become the foundation. Like, how am I... Stewarding my own well-being so that I could be a healthy and flourishing disciple of Jesus. And then everything else, as you know, we learned this, you know, in Calvary Chapel, everything else is an overflow of that, right? Right. Um, but for me, I knew the concept, but I didn't know how to live it out. Certainly. And yeah. so that was kind of like, you know, what I would encourage people in, but also so much of my own story.